It's Wednesday, February 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Ali Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Senior Tech Analyst Eric Bleeker. Happy Wednesday, guys. Hey, hey Chris. Um, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk food and beverage in a little bit. We're gonna, but we're going to start with the big deal of the day. Uh, Comcast, as of uh, I guess Monday, owned 51 percent of NBC Universal. Uh, now they own all of it. Uh, Comcast is buying the remaining 49% from General Electric for the cool sum of $16.7 billion. And Eric, I'm assuming everybody thinks this is a great deal for all parties involved because shares of both are at new five-year highs as of Mm -hmm. the announcement. Yeah, and I, I think why they're really doing this deal is to uh, get Jack Donaghy, a proven leader at NBC right now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, but, you know, everyone's expecting this great media schism, and we've got all these disruptive companies. People are looking at Apple TV, Netflix. But the interesting storyline is the status quo is really winning, and that's Comcast. And it's a company that late last year, as people got really concerned about cord cutting and other threats, went down all the way to six times cash flow. You look at it, this is a dominant company that you really can't compete against. We saw Verizon rolling out Fios and stopping the program, and cord cutting had a lot of traction as a storyline. And everybody everybody who has ever – everyone that I know who uses Verizon Fios loves it. Loves it. Here, yes. I like it. And, and it's just too hard to compete against companies like Comcast again. They've, it's too expensive. You see Google – building out its fiber network. We were talking before the show. Uh, at current pace, that might be completed by about the year 3000 because they're <laughs> in one city right now. And, you know, it's just 1% of consumers have uh, cut the cord. The year-over-year decline on uh, paying cable subscribers is 1%. That's not a huge threat to a company like Comcast that can raise prices really well. And we see that operating income up 13% year-over-year. And where this really gets interesting is if you're an investor, number one, it just shows Netflix, it's, it's a complement, not necessarily a uh, disruptor at this point. And number two, Apple TV. What leverage does Apple have? Comcast is absolutely killing it. Why do they want to go with the un- uncertainty of letting Apple basically have free reign over their user interface? And until the situation changes and with uh, Comcast having the strong hand, just makes it that much harder for uh, something like television, which we all think can improve, to actually improve. And Jason, we were talking earlier in the week about sort of you you look at this universe in the battle for the living room and you have the content companies and you have the distributors. And now with this deal, it seems like Comcast is, if not the only one in town, certainly the most dominant one in town that, that has both. It has this massive distribution network and now it has all of this content yeah and i think that's what you really have to look out for that's what that's what really i think makes them a potential big winner in this case that if they can pursue the tv everywhere strategy that like you know the example of the deal they just signed here with fox which essentially tv everywhere is just going to be able to take your cable package and you can watch it on virtually any device i mean i can log into my fios account here for example and watch stuff on my fios or you can log into the cbs app or you know whatever app it may be and so that's like eric said i mean things like netflix they're not disruptive as much as they are just complementary to your overall entertainment package. And at $7.99, I mean, you can only expect so much, right? I tend to agree with them. I think cord cutting is a better headline. I, I mean, like, per, I, I know it's, it's, I don't extrapolate this out, you know, into the general consumer sentiment, but I mean, most people I know don't have the interest in cord cutting, at least at this point, because of the access you have. Maybe you don't watch all 500 channels that you get on your cable. 
but but you maybe watch 20 or 25. So perhaps this is something where uh, Comcast will be able to to use this as sort of a sort of an initiation initiating that uh, that move to a, to an a la carte offering at some point who knows but uh yeah i mean it's just a it's so hard to compete against this because now they control the pipes and they control what's going through the pipes i also think it's interesting um and i don't think i've ever said this before i i think it's interesting what's happening at ge <laughs> I, yeah, 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 yeah. which is just this behemoth of a company and under jeff immelt has has begun and executing on this sort of uh, process of cutting some of their divisions and really executing against his plan to pare down from GE Capital, which for so long was the big driver at that company. And he's re- he has said publicly they want to get away from that. And it really seems like they're doing that. And I think that's what you know, GE is sort of a an unsung winner in this case because it does get them out of something that's a bit out of their scope of 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 understanding really in entertainment. I, I read stories where they really enjoyed having that NBC Universal uh, aspect. I think they held their annual meetings at the Saturday Night Live studio, right, which that yeah. sounds really cool. But I mean, the bottom line is this really does help GE shore up their balance sheet. And the plan here for 2013 is to return $18 billion of cash to shareholders in the form of dividends and buybacks. So I think that GE shareholders should also be very encouraged by this, uh, you know, with, with the, the road ahead here for the stock. Um, just to close out, uh, two questions, Aaron with regards to stocks. Um, what do you think of Comcast at this point as a stock? And what company out there do you think is the most disheartened by this news today? <laughs> um, Comcast as a stock, uh, I, I still think you look at a company with about $9 billion in free cash flow. It's, it's worth about $100 billion now. It's n- not overpriced by any means. And with NBC, you have nice growth avenues. And like like we said, it's just it makes so much more sense for Comcast to have them versus GE because uh, Comcast not only has some leverage with the content against emerging threats, it can really squeeze smaller cable providers nationally who now have to pay up more for that content. And who's the big losers? It is those smaller regional plays because now you have it's essentially a water utility owning the water as well, right? And they're going to be able to go to those smaller players, increase pricing, and. I, I wouldn't want to be owning some of those smaller regional cable companies today with just the trends that we have in place in this industry. Fourth quarter revenue for Buffalo Wild Wings rose by 38%. Same store sales were up nearly 6%. Those seem like pretty good numbers to me, Jason. And yet, as of this morning, shares of the stock were down about 4%. What? Yeah, that's. Where's the, where's the bad news? That's for a couple of good reasons. Um, Generally speaking, over the past year, they have gone from record low chicken wing prices to record high chicken wing prices. And so what that's doing is is <laughs> eating, into, eating into margins considerably. Uh, the other thing that I think the market is a bit uh, turned off by was their their outlook into 2013 and, and this quarter in particular. And we look back last year this time, their same store sales were were positive double digits, you know, low 10, 11 percent. Uh, which was which was great, and they're forecasting actually negative two three percent same store sales here for this quarter, uh, and, and I think that you know, that's really an indicator that traffic is slowing down, uh, prices are starting to matter, and it's it's worth wondering. I mean, how much more growth this company has? I mean, they they are getting ready to open their nine hundredth store. Sally Smith, the CEO there, she sees room for seventeen hundred stores ultimately in this market. I'm not so sure that's a little bit uh, of a robust assumption it could be, but I, I think there are just some real questions there as to how 2013 is shaken out, and that, that negative same-store sales thing, I think, is what's really taken, taken away the enthusiasm today. 
What do you think, Eric, when you look at this company? Yeah, I have no real opinion on Buffalo Wild Wings itself. But I will say, you look at gross margins, um, I think they were at 23.8% the last couple quarters, 23.5% the last quarter. If you're Wall Street, that's the kind of thing that can break your models and make you sell. But you have to know why you're invested in a stock. Right. And you're not invested because they sell great chicken wings. <laughs> you're invested because of leadership. And people invest because of Sally Smith. And if you're an investor who's believed in the leadership, a 0.3% margin decline quarter over quarter does not break your thesis. So don't lose sight of the big-term picture because of one blip. Um, she definitely has a great reputation, and yet I noticed one of her comments on this quarter. She was talking about the, the comps and saying, well, they're a little tough to interpret because of the way that the college football schedule and the NFL <laughs> schedule synced up this year. It was a little different. And... Uh, you know, I, I don't know the company that well. That struck me as a little, it's kind a little of like, bit like uh, we're blaming the weather. The weather. I was going to say that's the example right there. But, I, and I mean, I will say to a degree, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, the argument there is the experience. I mean, you go in there and there are 25, 30, 50 TVs, however many you have, and you can watch any game you want. And so it is very based on sporting events, the Super Bowl, college football, yep. the NCAA tournament. And so whenever there is any kind of a scheduling conflict, I can see where that might be somewhat of a detractor for a day or so. I don't know that it's going to be like a quarter's worth of, of scheduling conflicts in the college football season. I, I just think that's probably a little bit much. But yeah, they are very dependent on sporting events. I would obviously. say a huge catalyst to watch out for, though, in the current quarter is when they uh, induce that light stoppage in the Super Bowl for 35 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of extra wings sold. I think we're going to see some great results. Well, and t- I mean, in all seriousness, uh, uh, seriousness though, um, in this quarter, uh, among other things, we'll have the NCAA uh, basketball tournament. That's got to be. That's got to be. I mean, I know you're a big golf fan, and I'm guessing you're not plunking down at Buffalo Wild Wings for no. six for six hours to watch a Masters. No, coverage. I'm definitely not. But also, I think that the the genuine risk here that you have to look out for, though, is that people are finding reasons to watch this stuff at home. We talk about cutting the cord, and one of the main reasons why people are not cutting the cord is because of sports, You know, whether it's the Golf Channel or ESPN or whatever it may be. Uh, a lot of people like watching these games and events in the comfort of their, of their own home and ordering in or whatever, and so Buffalo Wild Wings definitely has to deal with that. And the way that they deal with it is by offering new menu items, promotions and things like that, and that does cost money. And when you're buying that kind of, of, of spin, when you're paying for that kind of market spend, along with the fact that your cost of goods is going up like chicken wings are, that's uh, you know you, you get some some declining margins there, and it can hurt the short term investor for sure. Burger King has announced a new partnership with Seattle's Best Coffee to offer a new coffee menu, which includes among other things lattes for two dollars twenty nine cents. Um, Jason, if you're McDonald's and you see this news, I mean, let's let's to be fair, McDonald's has. Uh, made a decent amount of money out of their coffee menu. Are, are you threatened by this, or are you just like, you know what, we're McDonald's. We're not worried about anybody. Uh, I think I think it would be the latter, with the exception of they maybe would still be worried about Starbucks. I was going to say, because the, the other part of this is Starbucks <laughs> yeah. is the, the company that owns Seattle's Best Coffee. Exactly. I mean, Starbucks comes out of this as a winner just because they, you know, they're dishing over the Seattle's Best for Burger King. And, I mean, you, you have two companies here. Burger King, which you know brings in somewhere in the neighborhood of two two billion dollars in revenue a year, and and McDonald's is twenty seven or something like that. And McDonald's is a considerably bigger company, and and I think that Burger King is really having a somewhat of an identity crisis here, trying to figure out exactly how to bring in uh, new customers. It's, it's just it's not a very compelling offering to begin with. 
I, I can guarantee you I'm not going to test this coffee thing out at Burger King. I mean, it's just – and I don't think a lot of people will either. I think maybe it adds something else to the menu, but they are a day late and a dollar short. I think well, we talked last year about the bacon Sunday that they rolled out, and, and that didn't – while I was initially intrigued and I love me some bacon – it didn't actually get me through the doors to buy one, so I don't know that this is going to work for me either. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, and I feel like we've gone back into archival footage from 2008 or something. <laughs> why, why are we discussing them coming into coffee in 2013? McDonald's has proven this to be very successful for, what is it, at least five years now? Yeah. It, and I think what Jason says is exactly correct, an identity crisis. Uh, it's never moving from strength to strength for Burger King. It's always trying to catch up and find some kind of new niche. And it's just not a compelling offering to come out with an idea like coffee this late into the game. Um, I can't really find a compelling reason that I would want to own Burger King personally. No, not but, one. But if this pays off, though, I mean, to your point, if, if we look at McDonald's and their success in coffee and that helps move the needle for them, if Burger King can actually execute this well, isn't that a reason to buy the stock? Maybe not a great reason, but maybe the- it's okay. Yeah, you're saying it's a reason versus a great reason. At least we're qualifying this. Yes, possibly it could be a reason. I would accept that it's not a great reason, and it's still not a compelling reason. Um, I think that you know Burger King is going to always play second fiddle uh, to something like McDonald's, and they still have to compete with things out there like Wendy's, for example. And I think these quick service restaurants in general are really facing a lot of stiff headwinds because of the growth in fast casual, because of the growth in the popularity of things like Panera and uh, Chipotle to a degree, even. But you have you have so many Paneras, for example, around now that, no, I don't think they sell Starbucks coffee, but they sell really good coffee, and there are a lot of other complimentary offerings in the stores that go with it. So I think that Burger King, for one, is facing a lot of stiff headwinds, but also I think quick service restaurants in general have, have a lot to deal with. Yeah, I would just piggyback on Jason's point there. Competition has increased so much in this time, and you look at how ubiquitous McDonald's is, you mm-hmm. know that you get that uh, you know exceptional, if you like, their coffee experience, and it's so easy to find. Burger King doesn't have the same footprint it's not as widely available. And yes, fast cash has filled in a huge amount of this market. So people have gone to other offerings in the last five years. It's, it feels a little late for this. I yeah, think it offers Burger King consumers another alternative. But you know, much like the Taco Bell Chipotle dynamic, I don't think this is going to be something that takes customers away from McDonald's to go get their coffee at Burger King. Right. It's not going to take customers away from Starbucks to go get their coffee at Burger King. And truth be told, I don't even know where there is a Burger King around here. <laughs> Like, so, I mean, that's one problem. We'll, we'll look that up after the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, maybe we should. Um, I think we're all coffee drinkers in the room. Do you, do you have a, a preferred coffee drink? Are you a latte guy, Eric, or you just go straight coffee? Yeah, I'll normally go for latte. I got the uh, Versimo at home recently. Man, was that one a disappointment. Really? Wait a minute. This is, the, this the, is Starbucks the, the Starbucks machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's so. disappointing about it? Uh, I just don't really like the taste. And, um, you know, you're not necessarily buying it for cost savings, but when it costs the same and uh, you don't feel like it's necessarily – very competitive with what you get in the store. It just leaves even less room to use it. I've I've actually gone back to my Keurig machine for most of my at home brewing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So. I've got the big setup with like the espresso maker, the French press. We go all out in our house for coffee. <laughs> wow. Um, I think for the longest time I was just a you know a venti coffee guy. I have discovered that I do have an affection towards the skim latte. Nice. And so every once in a while I will add that to my arsenal. Got to cut those calories where you can. Well, you know, I mean, look, I'm huge. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I just, I just go with the straight coffee. Every yep. once in a while, 
uh, a mocha latte, but but for the most part, just a straight, as uh, a, a guy I used to work with would say, just a straight mud. <laughs> uh, Eric Bleeker, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 